0: But we are in James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. We're going to work our way through the end of this chapter here. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one behind me here. And it says this in verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, Someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. You hear the sarcasm in James here? Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. He says, even demons believe that there's a God. There's still demons. Hello. That is already preaching right there. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Can you say amen? Amen. And leave your Bibles open. We're going to work our way through this chapter. Back in the days, most specifically back in 1995, I was a junior in high school, and one day I was in my living room with my dad watching a basketball game. I, I'm a big basketball fan, and Warriors are my team. Let me hear the boos because I try. I thrive off of it. By the way. I, I'm, I'm one of the old school fans. I, I didn't jump on the wagon because of Curry. I, I'm a Warriors fan because of Chris Mullen, if you know anything. I'm, I'm from the Run the MC days. You know, Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullen. Like, when I started playing basketball, Chris Mullen, what, I wanted to emulate his jump shot because I'm left-handed. I wanted to shoot like him. So that's why Warriors became my team. And I moved to the States when I was 15. I tell everybody I'm a Warriors fan. They're like, who? No one's a Warriors fan. This is back in you know, 90s. Anyways, watching a game with my dad, and all of a sudden, the game was interrupted by breaking news. Now, this is back in the days where there was no breaking news like today. Everything is breaking news today. Watching the game was interrupted. They're like, breaking news. There is this wild chase happening. There's a white Bronco on the highway. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? Millennials, bear with me. We're, we're, going, we're going somewhere here. They're chasing this white Bronco, and it is massive move of police officers on the highway and he looked like more like an escort than a chase because they just kind of like let him kind of go and you know that began like this crazy trial of O.J. Simpson right and I remember at the end of the trial the verdict was going to be declared I was in English class because it's one of those things where you always remember where you were it's in English class when the professor the teacher not the professor this is high school not college did one of the most holiest things that a teacher could do. He willed in the TV. There's <laughs> nothing like when a teacher willed in the TV. You're like, word, we're about to watch something today. And he goes, we're going to watch the verdict live. Man, and the, engine, the, the, the tension was there, man. It was It was heavy. But if you remember, the key in that trial, there was a moment in that trial that was so critical. It was when they presented the evidence of a glove. Do you remember this? When the glove was presented and, and, and lawyer Cochran said, you know, we're, we're going to show you that, that, that he wasn't him because the, the, the glove like, won't fit his hand, right? Remember, <laughs> it, it was like... And, and he gave the gloves to OJ, and OJ put on a show that day. OJ was like... And Jay was like, see, see, it doesn't fit, and he's he's holding his hand, and and he's trying to get it in, and it took him 10 minutes to put on one glove, you know, and then he takes on the other one, and he goes through the same process, he's like, I mean, there were cameras in the room, and so Jay was working the room, like, look, it doesn't fit and and he finally got both gloves on and, he, and you can google this image and he does this like he he's like look look the glove is too small it doesn't fit my hand and then came the most infamous line of the entire trial if he doesn't fit you must ah uh, oh y'all know what i'm talking about but, and you're like what's this got to do with james my friends It has everything to do with James, my friends, because James is saying here that if your faith does not lead to action, then it doesn't really fit because it's not real faith. Real faith will always translate into action. And if it doesn't fit, it must be fake, not faith. And it's so crazy because the scriptures are saying that faith and works go hand in hand, like hand in Love. Actually, the message translation puts it exactly that way. Watch this. In the message, it says, go ahead. It says, You can no more show me your works apart from your faith, faith than I can show you my faith apart from my Work. faith and works. Works and faith fit together. Faith oh, y'all are making good Catholics today. Like, we're, <laughs> we're going somewhere today. My friends, faith, real faith. Is always backed up by action. And if it doesn't fit, it must be fake, not faith. Are you tracking? James is very clear on this, that there are different types of faith that may not be the real faith. And he makes it clear. He says, listen, if it's not translated into hand in glove, it might be dead faith. It might be useless faith. My friends, this is so important because James is saying here, if faith and words are not hand in glove, you got to question what kind of faith do you really have. And he says, hey, you can have the kind of faith that is just intellectual faith. In other words, you can have the kind of faith that is just head knowledge, but head knowledge without action is missing the hand in glove. About a year ago there was something really sad, I don't know if you saw this, but there was this great Christian apologist who had incredible knowledge of the thing we call Christianity and he would, he would travel the world to tell people about this thing and he's an amazing, prolific writer and speaker, but then we found out he had a, some interesting things happening behind closed doors. And you're like, how in the world can this man, one of the smartest men who's ever lived, have this lifestyle that wasn't what he reflected in public? Why? Because sometimes you can have head knowledge, but you could be missing the hand and glove if it doesn't go attached to the lifestyle and the actions that backed up the reality of your faith. So it's not enough to have head knowledge. James is so bent on making this clear that he says look you can say you have the faith but you see someone in need and you do nothing about it guess what it might be dead faith that you have and that faith is useless matter of fact he goes a little bit deeper and he says listen some might say hey look I have faith some people have works and he's like no no that's bull-legged faith that's for gazi That ain't the real thing. There's no departments when it comes to faith and works. Like they go hand in glove. Because you will hear some Christians say, you know, I am really good at praying. (laughs) And some people are like, I'm really good at acting when I'm praying. And James is saying, how about you become an answer to someone's prayer? Because man, we Christians love to pray for God to bless us. And God's like, when are you going to actually listen to someone's prayer that I put right in front of you? In other words, James is saying prayer should never replace action. Actually, true prayer will lead to action. True prayer never leads to just more prayer. Now there's a season for praying, and then there's a season for acting what you're praying about. You would not read the Gospels without seeing Jesus retreat to go pray, and then follow always with an action. In other words, I got the assignment, guys. Let's go. We got work to do because faith and works go together. He even says something really heavy. He said, hey, guess what? Demons believe that there's a God. And they even shudder, he says. In other words, they feel the heaviness of oh, what is a god in other words you can have emotional faith and that emotional faith may not translate into real faith now we're going somewhere here Because somebody today all over this country will go to church and they'll be emotional. They'll cry even. And it will be real and powerful. But if it doesn't follow up and translates into action, then all you did was go through an emotional activity. You didn't have the faith to go attached with your emotions that leads to action and action that leads to life and life more abundant. So in other words, emotionalism is not the real faith. It just means you had a good cry. Nothing wrong with a good cry. But I don't know about you. I want a good cry with the action to back up some things that I need to stop crying about. I need to do something about. Because they got to come a point in time where you got to be tired of being tired. And and go from being tired to being a person of action to say, God, what are we going to do about this situation? Because I'm tired of just praying about the situation. I'm tired of just... Going through the motions of praying just because you felt something does not mean you have the action to back up what you felt. There's a difference between faith and wishful thinking. Faith leads to action. It's faith that has legs. It's faith that works. It's crazy. He says demons know that there's a God and they tremble, but they don't change. Did you know this? When the devil tempted Jesus, he quoted a psalm to Jesus. And he says, doesn't he say in the word that if you do this, angels would come? Think about that. The devil is quoting the Bible, which tells you just because someone's quoting the Bible does not mean the Bible is in them. So please be careful, just because someone has a lot of Bible knowledge, it doesn't mean Jack, if it's not backed up with fruits of obedience that leads to action. Never be impressed with someone's knowledge. Be impressed with their fruits. Because Jesus said, "You will not know them by their feelings, you will not know them by emotions. You will not know them by going to church. you will know them by their fruits. And their fruits only comes through obedience. So don't be impressed because there's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge. But you got to ask the question, show me the fruits to back up their knowledge. Don't tell me what you know, show me what you know. That's what James is getting at here. Dynamic faith leads to life. And life more abundant is action life. In the words of a great theologian, I'm about that action boss. Marshawn Lynch is that great theologian. <laughs> there is a scripture in Hebrews called the Hall of Faith. These are the people that we look up to because of what they did by faith. They're not there because they prayed, they're there because they acted on what God called them to. And it starts by giving you the definition of faith in Hebrews 11. The message translation puts it this way: it says, Look, this is actual faith. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust, which is faith in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle of what we can't see. The act of faith, the act, the action of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors, set them above the crowd. So he defines faith, and then he says, now let me give you examples of how our ancestors displayed what it looks like to be a person of faith. And he begins to mention people like Abraham and Isaac and David, and he shows you by their action why they made the hall of faith. Now this time around, I came with a different understanding of this, that we always admire what they did. But we missed the point. They were only able to do what they did because God called them to do a specific thing, and all they did was obey what God told them to do. In other words, Noah didn't come up with the idea of building an ark. You wouldn't either. Matter of fact, I would believe when we get to heaven and talk to Noah, he probably was like, the first time he heard that, he was like, I need to get some sleep. I think I heard God say, you need to build an ark. Like, it's bizarre, but think about this. They only did what they were assigned to do. They didn't conjure up that idea. God put that in them, which means faith, really, the trust in God is to do what God just called you to do, what not somebody else was called to do. Because each one of them only acted on what God said. Abraham, think about it. Abraham, behold, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. If you heard that, you would say, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Because there's no way that's God. You gave me this kid. I've been waiting for this kid. Now you want me to sacrifice this kid. And Abraham does it because he trusts that the same God that provided the kid will provide a way out of the sacrifice. In other words, God will only call you to do what God has empowered you to obey him to do in the first place. That's the real faith. In other words, we don't study the Bible to say, I want to be like Abraham. I study the Bible to say, God, give me the faith to do what you call me to do so that I can be in the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Noah so I can do what you call me to do because I don't know about you, God may be calling all of us to do something different today. If you pay attention to the word of God, God is very unique in how he wants you to translate this message. And the person next to you might have a different assignment of faith. And a lot of times, we we focus on, we think we need more faith. I got news for you. You don't need more faith. You need obedience to go with the faith that's already yours. I believe we're praying wrong prayers. God, give me more faith. God's like, how about you pray for obedience to what I already asked you to do? It's obedience that display faith. Think about it. If Noah would have heard that and go... Sounds like a good idea. I'm going to pray about it. He would have never been in the hall of faith. You know what a God would have done? God would have said, next. Next. You know how many people are missing their assignments because they're praying about what God's the already told them to do? Y'all ain't ready for this. God will say, next. How do I know? Because the scripture says he looks to and fro and says, who can I deposit my real Desire so they can go fulfill what I'm calling them to do. And when we don't obey, God says, next. Because God's will will never be stumped. He will always find another way to get what he wants to get accomplished. So, my friends, prayer should never be a substitute for action. Real prayer will always lead to action. Because God is an art of action. Can you say amen? amen? And pay attention because James is clear here. He's saying, if you're really praying... God might put someone in your path that is looking for you to be the answer to their prayer. And what happens is, we're so busy doing our own thing, we might miss the assignment in front of us. God, I, I want to I be a blessing, I want to do your will, and then you get interrupted by the assignment, and then you get annoyed. y'all ain't ready for this you're like I was deep in my devotional God's like yeah to do what? oh some Christians burn me up cause all you hear is can we have more prayer services? how about more worship services? no one ever says can we have more street teams? Can we have more serve the cities? Can we have more foster parents? It's amazing to me. Can we have more Bible studies so we can be more spiritually obese? So we can say we know a lot of things? Oh, we're going to talk about it. I had a week off. I'm ready. We're going we're to talk about it. Because Christians be burning me up. Can we have more for me, 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 more for me? I'm not being fed. Yeah, you're like 250 pounds, obese in a spirit. What's wrong with you? Maybe you should go work this out a little bit. Oh, I came ready. You have a divine responsibility to help someone that's in need in front of you. That's the divine responsibility given to everyone who calls themselves People of God. It's to love God and love people tangibly. Because he says, what good would it be to say, hey, God bless you? But he's like, yo, I'm hungry, bro. <laughs> the Lord will provide. Yes, through you. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but if you've been with the Holy Spirit long enough, you just hit you with a two-by-four. It's like, I'm talking about you, dummy. <laughs> You're like, someone has to help this guy. <laughs> dummy, hand in glove, where's you. And he's like, I got to give you a couple examples, James says. I got I to gotta show you what this looks like. And he starts with Abraham. He says, let me talk about your patriarch. Because remember, he's speaking directly to Jewish believers. He's like, let me talk about the guy that you guys all look up to. Abraham in verse 21 he says don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his what's the word there actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar you see his faith and his actions work together his actions made his faith what so that means faith without action is incomplete And so it happened, just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith, he's quoting Genesis. He was even called, check this out, what a compliment. He was called what? Friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. What a great compliment, hello, to be called friend of God. If you've been in church long enough, you know we used to have a song, I'm a friend of God. We played it so much, we're like, we have to band a song. Who am I that you are mindful of me when you call me? I don't know the lyrics. No, no, no. All I know is we get to the chorus, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And we're like jamming in church. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. (laughs) Uh, Worship team, I'm coming for you. And then those same people, We pass by a bum and go, you bum. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of Say yeah, if you were a friend of God, you would be doing something to help somebody in need. (laughs) We like to worship but we don't like to serve. (laughs) And we don't know that our worship is useless unless it leads to service. Oh, we love to break down the Bible, but we don't like to be the Bible. Because you're the only Bible someone will ever meet. Some people will never come to church, but they met you. I hope they met Jesus. Yeah. Cute bumper stickers. <laughs> Don't ever put a bumper sticker on if you ain't gonna act like it. <laughs> you see some bumper stickers, you're like, you need that, bring that car to the altar. You win that card, needs to get saved. (laughs) He obeyed God by faith, trust. Trust is the word for faith. He trusted that this God will meet me there. He trusted, he believed God, so he acted. Because he believed. See, a lot of people get the word belief wrong. They think, I believe because I said it and I believe in my head. No, you don't believe because you said it. You believe because you acted on what you said you believe. That's when you really believe. His act, get this, this is important. His act did not make him righteous. His faith in God did by his action. This is important. Because you might think, oh, I got to do some things to earn God's righteousness. That's not what he's saying. He's saying God credited him righteousness because of his action. In other words, God put on his bank account righteousness just because he trusted that God says who he said, what he said and he would do what he said he would do. In other words, he didn't earn this. He didn't deserve it. All he did was obey a specific command from God. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, you can do a lot of things, but if you're not obeying what was called on you to do by faith, then you don't get it. It's useless to do a lot of things, but not being in tune with the calling that God has placed on you. That's why comparison is of the devil, because God's not looking to compare you to the next person. He's looking to see how obedient are you to what I've called you specifically to do. So righteousness, it's like a bank account. He says he credited it to him. It's like going to the the bank today and you you put in your PIN code and you thought you only had $20, but you find you have a million dollars in there. You're like, you don't go, look what I did. (laughs) Overnight. It's like, no, he's saying like, I put that on you. Like me, the God of the universe, the Jehovah Jireh provides for you. I make the way for you. That's why if you keep reading Abraham's story, he says, God will provide. God will provide. Not I'm going to make a way. God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Genesis 15 is what James is quoting, by the way. James quotes this. He says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited hit to him as righteousness. God put righteousness on his bank account. He says, because you trust me, I got you. So this is important. Because you don't want to think that you have to earn this. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's a false gospel that says, I'm a good person. You could be a good person. doesn't mean you're a safe person. There's a difference. Good means I got this. Saved means I don't have that. Jesus put righteousness on my bank account. just to be clear paul says it in ephesians he says it this way look ephesians chapter 2 he says for it is by what grace, grace that you have been saved through what grace. through that trust the trust that this takes care of it and this is not from yourselves it is a what yes. gift of god not by works so that no one can oh we love to boast I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I went to school both ways, uphill in the snow, by myself all day. You wanna go night night? Like we love to boast. We love to boast. We love to say, "Look at me! I'm flexing!" And there's no flexing in God's economy. God's like, "You broke." <laughs> for it, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to what? Do good works. It's like I put this on you to go do this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, God had in mind for Noah to build an ark. God had in mind for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And God has in mind something specifically for you. I just don't know what that is. You just got to be in tune with him. That's what it means to live by faith, to trust that he's calling you to do some things out of obedience not feelings, not emotions, obedience. Because the greatest test of a mature believer is obedience. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. That's trust that God is in control. Saved by grace, not works. Works are the, please write this down, works are the outcome of grace. Because I have grace, it compels me to Work. Compels me to help, it compels me to serve, it compels me to give, it compels me to have some type of action, it compels me to become a foster parent because I have grace. That's the beauty of this journey. And then, James, man, I love James because James is so practical that you're waiting, you're waiting for the catch, and he's like, there's no catch, it's in your face. And I think that's what the struggle with James is. We're we're hoping that there's a catch somewhere. James is like, no, I'm just telling you the truth. Straight on. So he's like, just so you understand, I talked about your patriarch, but let me give you another example. It's like, seems like he's going left on us because he goes from Abraham to a woman named Rahab. Crazy. A patriarch that they know very well, and then a woman that they wouldn't really recognize as someone who lives by faith. Watch this. Verse 25. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Crazy. Like, you have to understand Bible writers don't make mistakes. This was not like, oh, let me I can't think about anybody else, let me just throw Rahab in there. You know, he's like, he's making a point here. It's like, man, let me talk about your patriarch that you all love and admire, but let me talk about a Gentile prostitute that you would never put in the same category as your patriarch. And show you that God doesn't discriminate. God goes to the heart and say, do you have it in you to obey my will? And when you do, I will bless you. And if you're not familiar with Rahab, Rahab's story is found in the book of Joshua. When the people of God were on their conquering mission and they get to this place called Jericho and the walls are high and they send two spies to see what's going on with Jericho. And this prostitute Rahab hears, hears, this is faith, never seen them, hear about this God that protects the Israelites. And he says, I know you have the true God, let me help you because they were trying to capture them. She hides them and sends the Jericho army the wrong way, and they said, listen, because you did this, she's like, no, let me finish. I'm doing this, and I'm trusting when you come back to overcome this place that you will remember me and my family, my friends. This was not just, hey, I believe in God. It's like, no, I believe in God, and my life is on the line. Because it's cute to say I believe in God, but what about when the cancer report comes? It's cute to say I believe in God in a beautiful... Stage with beautiful people in a beautiful place with AC but it's another thing to be in war-torn Ukraine right now and still have faith that God is in control and that he will provide that he will make a way when your life is on the line her life was literally on the line she could have died she takes a step of faith and says no I believe in your God and I believe he can come through not just for me but for my family you know the next time you see this name in the genealogy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. A Gentile prostitute shows up in the genealogy of Jesus because she acted by faith. And you're like, what is the genealogy? You ever come across in the Bible when you read, this person begets this person begets this person begets this person, by the time you're done begetting, you fell asleep? The genealogy is powerful because it tells you, That God is in the economy of people, that every name matters, every name counts, and every name is there because of what they did by faith. He goes from the patriarch to a prostitute to make a point. God will not discriminate if you live by faith in him. Because a lot of times people think you don't qualify, you don't have the faith. Please be very careful with religious people who think you need more faith. You don't need more faith, you need more obedience to go with the faith that God's already given you. My friends, James doesn't mince words. We're called to live by faith that leads to action, that leads to life, and life more abundant. We're not called to just get more information so we can say, look, I know a lot of stuff. I don't know about you, but man, it's, it's weird out there now. Everybody knows a lot of stuff. They can tell you everything about everything, but you're like, where's the action with your stuff? I know you can break down the Greek and Hebrew. I know you're great at theology, but are you great at living that theology? Are you great at showing up where there's a need? Are you great at recognizing when God set up a divine appointment for you? Because that interruption is an appointment. Sometimes we're rebuking the very people that God sent us to help. It's on a Wednesday afternoon that all of a sudden you get interrupted by a phone call. But it's not just a phone call. It's a divine appointment that God's saying, would you be the answer to that person's prayer? See, see, everybody wants to do big things like Noah, Abraham, Isaac. But God's like, if you don't do the little things, how can I trust you with the big things? (laughs) God, I I just want you to bless me financially. God's like, you make $200 a week, you can't tie $20, you think I'm going to give you more? No, you all ain't ready. God, I am finally ready for that wife. Hit me. God's like, you can't even pay your own bills. You want a wife for what? So you can just jack up our life too? (laughs) Lord, I am ready for my ministry. Well, you are your ministry. Take care of yourself first. I can see I can trust you with some people around you. Because to him, much is given, much is required. Too much talk. Way too much talk. Way too much talk. No wonder we're bored with church. No wonder we're bored. I believe that God sets up divine appointment. This woman's not here by coincidence or accident. If you're paying attention, God's calling some people to become foster parents. We don't do serve the city to be cute. We do serve the city because that's the mandate. If I, I had it my way, let me confess to you, we wouldn't have a big church with many services. We would have... Tons of churches in every single city so that people can find Jesus exactly where they are with people who are in action. People who actually care about their their community, who care about their neighbors, who care enough to do something. I hear preachers talk about the world, the world, the world is bad. Be careful with the world. Shield yourselves. Guard yourselves. And I hear Jesus says, go into the world. Go into the world. Like, everybody talks bad about the world, but who's talking about changing the world? Like, spare me from preachers who just tell you what's wrong, but they don't give you solutions to be part of what God is doing on this earth. He left us here to be his hands and feet and to work this stuff out by faith, trust. If you pay attention today, again, this is where the excitement is of this journey. If you pay attention... He's giving you your next steps. Sometimes as small as hey, on your way home today, you're gonna meet somebody. I put them there. The Bible says you may even entertain angels, not even recognize it because you weren't in tune. The Bible says, be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? Not just when we have in church, be the church. Let me end with this, and Paul makes it clear. Go ahead, in Philippians, Paul says, look, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Watch this, though. He says, don't stop there because demons fear and tremble. For it is God who works in you, don't miss this, to will and to act according to, in order to fulfill his good purpose. So what's the difference between head knowledge, emotional faith? Don't miss it. Right here. Will. Is your will submitted to the obedience of God? Because today he will speak to you and he might convict you some things who might lead you to, to tears, but you can't stop there. The tears has to lead to, I'm yielding my will to you in order to act to fulfill the purpose that you have for me. Because God will ask you to do some things that are not easy to do. But he says, I'm the one that puts it in you and I'm the one that gives you the will and the ability to do it. Noah would never be able to build the ark if God didn't give him the will and the ability to do it. So whatever your assignment is, it's yours by faith, but your will has to be submitted. Because you see people, they'll cry, but they stop at the crying. They didn't go all the way to the will. Nothing more powerful when we surrender our will to God. Because you have a free will that needs to be surrendered to his will. That's why he said, "My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. Unless your will is submitted to me, then my thoughts become your thoughts. My ways becomes your ways." That's what he means to live by faith. That's what it means to have hand in glove. Stand with me as we pray this morning. I don't know if you caught it, but go back to that last scripture. He says, "Work out your salvation, which is interesting because he's telling you that faith and salvation is like a muscle. When you go to the gym to work out, all you're doing is putting tension on your muscle. You're not creating muscle. You're developing what's already yours. Oh, that's a word. (laughs) See, See, that's why you don't need more faith you need more obedience because you can go to the gym look around and look at the weights and go this is nice I'm glad I came aren't you glad you came high five somebody who came to the gym today and go ahead and take a selfie while you're at it and that's how a lot of people go to church I came oh great you came good even demons came the devil goes to church too but who came to pick up the weights of worship, of prayer, of giving, of, of interceding, of serving? Who came to work out? Who came to put us to work so that we can see the results? Cause I'm telling you, birds be up to hear so-called Christians talk about, I'm not being fed. Like, what are you, two? You're either two or you're too obese to feed yourself. It's lame, man. It's lame. Lame excuses for not working out and to surrender our will. Here's my pastoral wishful thinking. I wish more people would say, let's do more serve the cities. Let's plant more churches so other people can find Jesus. Let's do more mission work. You don't hear that. Let's do more worship In other words, do more for me. Do more for me so I can be the center of attention. It's like, no wonder we're bored. Of course we're bored. Of course we're bored. There's broken people all around us who are looking for someone to answer their prayers. And the excitement is, man, when I'm answering someone's prayer, God's answering my prayer. (laughs) Because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. In giving, you're receiving. I decided to do a crew for kids, and you you don't know who you're sitting next to. I got a message from one of the parents. This week, from one of the kids, he's like, "You, I got to tell you the behind-the-scenes story of this kid." He says, "You have this kid is telling me, Mom, when 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 can we go to church again?" And she said, "But here's here's why that's that matters because he's he's adopted, he doesn't have family. We took him on. We started taking him to church. He was struggling to go to church, and now he's found that this church loves him and cares about him, and he can't wait to be back. A <laughs> church." Just, just little little miracles when the Holy Spirit says I want you to do a kid's crew this time around I'm the pastor can you get somebody else it's like no we miss it because we think some assignments are, are, is above us and we miss God, God's like okay then next next who can I trust to obey? Bow your heads with me, let's pray. Jesus, help us to put hand in glove. I believe that you speak. Teach us to listen. Help us to listen to obey. For obedience is better than sacrifice. And our true love for you is only reflected when we obey. You said, you, if you love me, you will obey me. So, Father, I believe with all my heart that you have spoken this morning. Now, empower us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for you already are working the wheel, and you're giving us the strength to do it. Thank you, Lord, that you don't ask us to do anything that you don't first equip us to do, that you empower us to do. And thank you that we don't need more faith, we need more obedience. And for some today, Lord, they just need to surrender their will to you and trust you, Jesus, as the Lord and Savior. The one that can, that can credit them with righteousness, for we don't earn or deserve salvation, it's a free gift. I pray for those people today that right now is their moment of surrender. That they would ask you to come into their lives, forgive them of their sins, and take over their will. And for some others, Lord, they they feel in the emotions, now give them the strength to obey. They feel in the conviction, now empower them to live out this conviction. For others, Lord, their faith has been lethargic, it's it's been numb, and their muscle has been deteriorating. I pray today, Lord, let there be a fresh touch of your presence. God, don't let us become professional Christians who go to a church building to check the religious box and go home the same. Lord, bring bring conviction to our hearts today that we're meant to live dynamic, excited, abundant faith. Faith that leads to life and life that leads to action and action that leads to more and more life. And for those you're calling to become foster parents today, Lord, empower them to go through with it. God, I pray for a community who loves to serve because... It is more blessed to give and to receive. Oh, the altar is open. I really believe that the altar is one of the most powerful times of our services. Sometimes, truth be told, we've become professionals at this. We're not sitting with the Holy Spirit until our wills become his will. The altar is powerful, man. It's a place of surrender, but it's a place of submission is a place of receiving fresh touch from God and it would be a shame to come all the way to his house and live the same way